0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3.
1: Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, glad to have you with me. There's a lot going on today. The president has left Israel. Uh, Jim Jordan has lost the second round of votes with more. He is not expected to be able to keep this up. Uh, Republicans are looking for an option maybe with Democrats to empower Patrick McHenry to continue serving in some capacity as speaker. Uh, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. What's happening? A lot of uncertainty uh, as to how to proceed in Congress um, with this this whole mess. I don't think Jordan can stay in getting uh, more no's the second round than the first round. But I'm not sure how they're going to proceed. Now, I I want you to know I've debated whether or not to go down this road again because I've been down this a number of times and I don't want to bore any of you, but I got a lot of new listeners. So I wanna um I, I, I wanna review for you some stuff that uh, my friend Tim Keller wrote before he died. Uh, and, and I want to talk to you about what's happening on college campuses around the country as it relates in particular to what we're seeing with this uh, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas bent among students. Let me just read you some of this so that you understand what we're dealing with. Drawing on the teachings of Karl Marx, what can be called postmodern critical theory has emerged very recently with its own account of justice, which is sharply different from the other accounts of justice Americans are familiar with. It has taken shape more recently, and it's come on the scene very forcefully. Postmodern critical theory argues first, the explanation of all unequal outcomes in wealth, well-being, and power is never due to individual actions or to differences in culture, or to differences in human abilities, but only and strictly due to unjust social structures and systems, and the only way to fix unequal outcomes for the downtrodden is through social policy, never by asking people to change their behavior or change their culture. Second, all art, religion, philosophy, morality, law, media, politics, education, forms of family, they're all determined not by reason or truth, but by social forces. Everything's determined by your class consciousness and your social location. Religious doctrine, together with all politics and law, are always at bottom a way for people to get or maintain social status, wealth, and therefore power. Third, reality at bottom is nothing but power. And if that is the case, then to see reality, power must be mapped through what? intersectionality. Race, gender, sexual orientation, sexual identity, and others are how you map out power. So if you're a white, male, straight, cisgendered man, that is your your gender identity and your sex align, you've got the highest amount of power. If you're none of those things, you're the most marginalized and oppressed. There are lots of other categories in there as well, but importantly, each category towards the powerless into the structure gives someone greater moral authority and greater ability to see the truth. Only powerlessness and oppression can get people to true knowledge and to the moral high ground. So the most privileged have to shut up. And those who are oppressed can speak up. The way power is exercised is through language, through dominant discourses. A dominant discourse is any truth claim, whether grounded in supposed reason or science or in religion or morality. Language does not merely describe reality. It constructs reality itself. Power structures mask themselves behind the language of rationality and truth. So academics hide unjust structures through talk of academic freedom. Corporations hide unjust structures through talk of free enterprise. Science hides unjust structures through talk of empirical objectivity. Religion hides injustice through talk of divine truth. All these truth claims are really just narratives designed to dominate, so they have to be exposed. Reason, debate, and freedom of speech, therefore, don't apply because that just gives unjust discourse airtime. The only way to reconstruct reality is to subvert the dominant discourse. And that, my friends, requires control of speech itself. Cultures, just like people, can be mapped through intersectionality. No culture is better in any regard to any other culture. All cultures are equally valid. But people who see their cultures as better and judge other cultures as inferior or even people who see their own culture as normal and others as exotic or odd are members of an oppressive culture. And lastly, perhaps most importantly, neither individual rights nor individual identity are primary. The traditional emphasis on individual human rights like private property and free speech are an obstacle to radical social change. They need to Be discarded in order to share wealth and power. It's an illusion to think as an individual you can carve out an identity in any way different or independent of others in your race, ethnicity, gender, and so on. Group identity and rights are the only real ones. Guilt is not assigned on the basis of individual actions, but on the basis of group membership. Now, what does all this have to do with college campuses and the Israeli Hamas conflict? Well, on college campuses and in high schools across America, In teaching history now, through the lens of critical theory, remember, when they say critical theory isn't being taught in high school, they're telling you the truth. No one's teaching kids critical theory. What they're doing is they're teaching history through the lens of critical theory, through the rubric of critical theory. And so how does critical theory teach history? Well, when you're taught history in high school and college, you're taught everything's about the oppressor and the oppressed. And the chief oppressor on planet Earth is, no, no, it's not the United States. No, you're wrong. It's Western civilization itself. All other civilizations have been oppressed by Western civilization. The United States just happens to be the peak of Western civilization and therefore the greatest oppressor. But Europeans are bad. White people are bad. White people are the oppressors. And who are the Jews? European immigrants to Israel, to Palestine. And that's how kids are taught about history. And on the left, Jonah Goldberg, in his book, Liberal Fascism, he made a great point. The left doesn't have to understand history. History is of no use to them. So on the left, you're likely to find teachers who teach about the Israeli immigration to Israel in the 1940s or the turn of the 20th century. Pay no attention to the historic truth claims that this is native Israeli land. Jewish land that was then handed over to tribes by the Emperor Hadrian, that was later converted to Islam by Muslim invaders and Crusaders. Never mind the actual history. What's relevant is only the last 100 years. The postmodern era only cares about white power from Europe for the last 100 years, and it's those whiteys from Europe, Ashkenazi Jews who moved into Palestine and took it over. They're bad because they're white oppressors from Western civilization. Ironically, this is the one area where white nationalists disagree with the postmodern leftists. They tend to agree on all this racial stuff. But where they disagree is that white nationalists believe that Jews cannot be part of Western civilization. Actually, the progressives believe that Jews polluted Western civilization because they were from the Middle East, they went to Europe, they assimilated into European culture, they became white people, and then became colonizers themselves. This is what we're seeing on college campuses. And we're seeing this outbreak of pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas propaganda because so many kids have been taught the world is divided between oppressor and oppressed. The world is divided between the rich colonizers and the poor colonized and there are victims on one side this is why they can look at the tragedy in the Middle East and see these dead Israeli children and women and grandmothers and Holocaust survivors and dads clutching their dead children and they can decide it's not true how do they decide it's not true Let's go back to Tim Keller's third point. Reality is nothing but power. When you see power, power is mapped through intersectionality. The categories are race, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, and others. Each category towards powerlessness has greater moral authority and greater ability to see the way things truly are. Only powerlessness... And oppression bring moral high ground and true knowledge. Those with privilege cannot enter the debate. And power is exercised through language, through dominant discourse. A dominant discourse is any truth claim grounded in supposed reason and science or in religion or morality. Language does not describe reality. It constructs reality. And those who have power say Israelis were murdered by Hamas. But the people who say Israelis were murdered by Hamas, they're in the dominant power structure. They're the oppressor. So we must hear what Hamas says. The problem for these people on the left is that Hamas live-streamed it. They wanted you to know about it. That's why they took a wait-and-see approach. They couldn't go vindicate Hamas because Hamas bragged about it. So what do they do? They stayed silent because that silence creates its own reality. They waited for Israel to respond, and then they made it a he-said-she-said-what-about claim of both sides doing it. And when both sides do it, who does it the most? Israel. They're the worst. Why? Because they have the military. Why? Because they're the European colonizers. This is what postmodernism looks like. Are you confused? You should be. It's whack-a-mole. It's Calvin Ball. They rewrite the rules as they go along to always benefit their side. And because they're teaching our college kids and our high school kids that the world is based on the haves and the have-nots, the world is based on the powerful and the powerless, the world is based on the oppressed and the oppressor, you're fostering a bunch of pro-terrorist sympathizers coming out of high schools and colleges who are going around college campuses tearing down the pictures of the missing Israeli children. The chickens are coming home to roost for these people on college campuses. You have actual evil in the world. And because of the indoctrination and critical theory used to teach kids now, our children and these college campuses and high schools are unable to even identify and speak clearly against the evil because that's where critical theory leads an inability to call out evil. I say this very seriously and very sincerely. If you are able to pull your children Out of a public school in this country, you should do it so your children do not wind up in the streets marching in favor of terrorists because the outcome of too many public schools in this country at this point is to infest your children with the bad ideas of critical theory so that they become the next generation of jihadi sympathizers. We see this happening on college campuses all around this country, and it is the product of left-wing indoctrination, willfully teaching your kids postmodernism, willfully teaching your kids there's no such thing as real truth, and willfully leading your children down the road of becoming cheerleaders for terror. Get your children out of government schools if you can. Hello and welcome. Listen, if you're on the phone, stand by. This is a short segment and I do want to take your phone calls. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I got to play you this audio. Uh, this is the, uh, the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League and he makes a a a point that's too good not to pass on even if i have my issues with the guy well university
0: presidents who seem so quick to jump on every perceived microaggression or every you know ill-considered statement on other issues in the face of evil have dithered have equivocated and i was talking to someone just a few minutes ago think about this brian it's been nine days since we had the worst terrorist massacre since 9-11. Why are these university presidents failing to find their moral compass? But here's the thing, Brian, universities are not just students in classrooms. They are communities with multiple stakeholders, including donors, including alumni, by the way, including the employers. So when Bill Ackman says, I'm no longer gonna recruit kids who demonstrate such extraordinary lack of common sense Harvard's gotta take that seriously. And by the way, I don't know if you know or not, but today, Les Wexner, founder of The Limited, announced that he was breaking with the Kennedy School because again, of Harvard's failure to see what the rest of the world has recognized, a clear issue of
1: moral consciousness. Yes, exactly. It's been amazing to me to watch college campuses around this country get so worked up over so-called microaggressions. You, you misgender someone. You don't use their pronouns. They all come after you. Uh, a bunch of Jews are murdered in Israel, and these students go march into the streets for Hamas, and corporations say, I don't think we want to hire these kids marching in support of terrorists. And, oh, my gosh, it's the end of the world. How can you do that? You've got Mehdi Hassan, a Hamas sympathizer on MSNBC, blasting cancel culture. And I thought conservatives were against cancel culture. Well, we were, but you didn't take us seriously. You won. So guess what? You're reaping what you sowed. All these pro-Hamas uh, sympathetic law students being denied jobs at major law firms all of a sudden. Good, good. Look, we, we, we totally lost the whole cancel culture thing. Um, so the left believes in cancel culture. Well, guess what? We got the power to cancel them too, particularly over this nonsense. This is insanity. Having these students out there supporting Hamas, I mean, you still got warm dead bodies. They haven't even gotten room temperature yet. And they're out there cheering on Hamas. No, they do, don't, don't need jobs in major law firms. These people are on the side of murderers. Their morality counts. Now, look, I gotta tell you about vision computers, folks. Uh, I've been saving some of y'all some money, and some of y'all hadn't gotten clued in on this yet. But i've heard from listeners now who took me up on this i am one of them myself we got a computer from vision computers my son never has to ask me about tech support he just calls the number he can get an answer from vision on what's going on with his computer faster than a google search thankfully nothing really ever goes wrong except when he kicks the back of it and accidentally unplugs, and he's like i don't know but he didn't even tell me he calls his vision they're like have you unplugged it again yes kid You unplugged it. They can help you. They can help your secretary. They can help your whole office. You want Vision to be your IT department for your company? You just call Vision Computers at 404 Compute. Tell them, hey, we need computers and we need tech support, and they will take care of you. They'll save you money. They'll build your laptops. They'll build your desktops, and then they'll be your tech support. You can get an answer from them faster than a Google search on what's going on if there's a problem, and they'll fix it for you over the phone or remotely. They're amazing. They save you money. They save you time. They save you headaches, and you don't have to hire a full-time IT person. Visioncomputers.com is their website, visioncomputers.com, or 404-Compute. Call them and ask about the Eric Erickson special, 404-Compute. Hello, my friends. Hello. It is Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Very happy to have you with me. I would like to take a phone call now. I want to go, well, let's see. Can I move my cursor over there and take Leslie's phone call? Leslie, welcome to The Eric Erickson Show.
0: Hi, thanks for taking my call. I learn so much from you every time I listen. Thank you. Um so you've been talking about how the anti or the Israelites Israeliites were run out of Israel by the Romans. Can you explain how it is different than how Native Americans were run out of the United States?
1: Yeah, um I mean in in this case it is a situation where I mean, if you want to use the better analogy, that the Palestinians would be the Americans um, who pushed out the Native Americans. Uh, in this case, the Palestinians pushed out the Israelis, uh, pushed out the Jews uh, with the Roman collaboration in 136 A.D. Um, so, if you want to think about it as Americans pushing out the Native Americans. It would be the Palestinians as the Americans, but there is a fundamental difference, I do think, and that is that uh, the Jews had been there for about 4,000 years, if not longer. So the Jews essentially inhabited this portion of the Middle East longer than Indian tribes came across um, from, uh, from, from Asia into Alaska and down, setting up shop. And the Jews inhabited this for so long, the Apaches were killing other Indian tribes. So the Apaches were killing off other Indian tribes and setting up shop, And not just the Apaches. Many of the uh, American Indian tribes were killing other American Indian tribes and driving them to extinction. And then new settlers came in and took over, and those settlers happened to be European settlers. And the European settlers uh, collaborated with some of the Indian tribes and didn't with others. and then the United States set up and they took over the whole North American continent other than, than Mexico and Canada. they they uh, the, the what was it the um divine mandate or whatever they could manifest destiny that's what it was. And uh, they put Indians on reservations. Well, the Jews' not really doesn't really uh, analogize properly because the Jews, had had this territory for four to 5,000 years. And there were individual tribal elements, some of which were eradicated, just as like the Apaches eradicated Indian tribes, but a lot of them uh, intermarried over time into the native Jewish population. The Edomites, the Ammonites, the Canaanites, um, they all became part of the Jewish collective consciousness. And then the Romans took over, and the Romans let them stay. 70 AD, they tore down the temple, they purged some, but generally they were allowed to say it was Hadrian in 136 AD who made the Jews leave. Packed them all up and said, you're either going to die or you're going to leave. Well, they knew how they could tell the Jews because guess who was circumcised? Guess who wasn't? Uh, Guess who wouldn't worship other gods? It was pretty easy to tell who was Jewish and who was not. Uh, Purged them all. You're either going to leave or you're going to die. So they all left when uh, over time the Jews were allowed to trickle back in and they, they flowed back in and they flowed back in over time, but they also spread through the Roman Empire. A group of different tribes were allowed to take over the land and the Romans, to insult the Jews, changed the name of the province of Judea to the province of Palestine, a play on Philistine. The individual tribes that were there were not Palestinians. They were individually uh, unique tribes. Over time, the Muslim conquests converted the people to Islam and those individual tribes united and became what they called Arab Palestinians in that territory. The Jews were still there. Over time, the Arab Palestinians tried to murder all the Jews. And the Jews fought back and won. And after World War II, given the Holocaust, Europe says, you know what? It's time to allow the Jews to go back. So they allowed the Jews back in, and guess what they did? They actually gave most of the land to the Arabs, not to the Israelis. And then the Arabs tried to wipe out the rest of the land and take over the Jewish land, and the Jews fought back and won and got even more land and expanded the size of the nation-state of Israel. You can't really take the American behavior towards American Indians in the 17 and 1800s and lay it on top of a very complex, multi-generational, multi-millennial history between the Jews and their native lands. Because the fact of the matter is the Jews moved in four or 5,000 years ago, set up shop, and became a united people. The American Indians came in maybe 10,000 years ago or later, some archeological evidence, but they set up disparate tribes spread out over regions of land and they slowly uh, they slowly immigrated from one place to another, and they didn't unite as a common American Indian land. You had the Apaches, you had the Chippewa, you had the Cherokees, you had, uh, you, you had the, the Navajo, you had all of these different tribal kingdoms and, and, and territories. That's completely unlike the Jews. The Jews set up a unified shop. Those Indian tribes fought each other as much as they fought the Americans. The Americans ultimately won. But now if you want to flip it on its head and go for the Palestinians or the Americans and the Jews or the Indians, well, you know what? Uh, Unlike the American scenario, the Jews actually won. It's like the Jews fought back and got got their territory. Shouldn't they have it? They had the ancestral claim to it. As far as the American Indians go, it was just one group conquering another group. Well, along came a bigger group with a bigger club that conquered them. I don't honestly have a whole lot of sympathy for the scenario. I don't mean to offend you, but uh, we took the land and it's ours now. The Jews were already there. They never left the land until they were forced out by the Romans. And the moment they could come back, they came back, and then they took the land back. And then the Europeans, after the Holocaust, said, okay, you know what? It's your right. Keep the land. And then the Arab Palestinians said, no, the hell you can't. It's our land, and the Jews fought them and won, so it's their land. The analogies don't quite work together but I have no more sympathy for the American Indian tribes that fought the Americans and lost than I do for the Palestinians that fought and lost as well. You can't keep relitigating who's the victim. The only difference, major significant difference that really complicates the matter is that the Jews were a unified people for four to 5,000 years in that land. None of the American Indian tribes can claim that. And then the American Indian tribes kept falling one to another over time. The Jews never did till they met the Roman Empire and were purged, and then they came back. So you got to be careful when you try to analogize these things to different events. Now, let's go back to the phones. Alan, you're going to be up next. Welcome.
0: Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, My question is my question is that I think the expiration date uh, for their government to be funded again is November 15th. My question is, with no House speaker, is it possible that part of the strategy of the way conservatives is if there's no speaker, there can't be a vote, can't be a vote. The government will automatically have to shut down. I could be wrong. I'm just curious about your opinion on that.
1: Yeah, look, that's a good point. Some of these guys don't care if the government shuts down. Uh, They don't care about government funding. They don't want to fund Ukraine. They would like to fund Israel, but if they got to fund Israel and Ukraine together, they'd prefer not to fund Israel. Uh, They don't care. They think the government shutting down is fine. Uh, The problem for them is that most Americans don't. I'm fine with the government shutting down. I wish the government would shut down and people have to rely on themselves. But most people disagree with me. I'm right, but I'm in the minority. These guys, they're right, but they think they're in the majority and they're not. And there will be hell to pay if the government uh, goes through a protracted shutdown. So here's what's happening. The scenario for the Speaker of the House that's playing out right now is the Republicans. Jim Jordan says he's not backing out. Jim Jordan says he's not going to back down. Jim Jordan says he's going to keep having votes. Jim Jordan may think that, but it's not going to work. Why is it not going to work? It's not going to work because he keeps losing votes. Kevin McCarthy is telling Manu Raju at CNN that Jim Jordan should press ahead, and and Patrick McHenry can oversee legislative business as an interim speaker without a vote of the House. Uh, give Jim Jordan a time frame to get as many votes as possible. Uh, a growing number of Republicans are thinking: Let's just let's just work with the Democrats allow Patrick McHenry to be Speaker Pro Tem, and what we'll do is we'll allow legislation that gets a majority vote to the floor of the House. They, They could actually do this. The House is presided over by the Speaker, but if the Republicans and the Democrats recognize Patrick McHenry as the Speaker, well, then he's the Speaker. They don't have to vote per se. He's designated president pro or uh, speaker pro tem. He can just operate. And if a majority vote can get things done on the House, he just presides over the process. If a majority has anything that they wish to have happen, they can get it done in the House. So if a majority cut a deal on Israeli funding, they fund it. If a majority cut a deal on Ukraine funding, they fund it. If a majority cut a deal on uh, opening the government and funding the government, they fund it. Whatever the majority wants, the majority does. Whatever the majority does, the majority gets away with in the House. And if the majority decides that Patrick McHenry is the speaker without a formal vote to make him speaker, he's just speaker pro tem, well, then he is acting as speaker of the House I think they probably could do that. Well, people say, could it be challenged constitutionally? Yes, it could, except the Constitution says each House of Congress makes their own rules. If a majority in the House goes along with this, it works that way. I know it seems a little bit ridiculous, and it is. Jim Jordan says he's going to plow ahead and try to continue getting the votes. I really don't know that he can. I don't know who he gets to flip. You you lost 20 yesterday. You lost 21 today. You lost Tom Cole yesterday. You got Tom Cole back today, but um, I don't think they're going to do it. I wish, however, that a majority would get together and censor uh, Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar tweeted yesterday, bombing a hospital is among the gravest of war crimes. The IDF reportedly blowing up one of the few places the injured and wounded can seek medical treatment and shelter during a war is horrific. President Biden needs to push for an immediate ceasefire. She's refusing to say why she won't delete the tweet now that we know and President Biden has confirmed that this is not a real thing. Rashida Tlaib, likewise, has not taken down her tweet. Congress should censor both of these women. They're not the squad. They're the Hamas caucus. al Talib is saying today we have to speak the truth. We got to stop allowing people to police our words to target what we say. Uh, okay, but you're saying lies. You're saying lies. So when are you going to correct the record? We keep seeing all these people on the left who've wanted to police Republican thoughts and Republican ideas as misinformation or disinformation. That Ben Collins guy, he won an award for journalism for policing misinformation online, and he's totally bought that uh, Israel blew up the hospital. He's been recirculating tweets claiming that Israel blew up the hospital. The guy has no credibility, and he's lecturing people on how misinformation and disinformation is identified online. The guy fell for it. These people have no shame. They're just anti-Semites. And that's what's going on here. They're being exposed for their lies. Now, the problem in the United States is we could use a Speaker of the House to help get things moving, and we don't have one, and that's on the Republicans. But I assume they'll get there eventually, and probably we'll wind up with this compromise with Patrick McHenry, and he will stay because I don't see how Jim Jordan picks up the votes. Maybe he can change things, but it's going to take him a long time. And that's something we don't have in this country in the House of Representatives, so they'll have to go with Patrick McHenry. Now, i got to tell you about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile, they're a cell phone provider. Patriot Mobile, they not only provide you cell phone service, they give you guaranteed great service using the same cell towers you're probably already using, and then their profits fund the conservative movement. They want you on their team. You go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up for Patriot Mobile today. With Patriot Mobile, you get great service, and you're doing business with people who share your Christian conservative values, and then they fund the causes you care about. The pro-life movement, the second movement, conservative parents battling wokes on school boards. That's what they fund. You grow their profits. They grow the conservative movement. It's a great way to kill two birds with one stone. You do business with a company that shares your values and fund the causes you care about just by partnering with Patriot Mobile. You can also call them at 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. You can call them, tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. If you want to see how good their service is, you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You put in your address. They zoom into your house. They show you how good the 5G, the data, the voice is, everything. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Okay, let me give you the latest on the Jim Jordan situation because people are starting to get uh, really mad at each other. And conservative activists really furious online. Jordan saying he's not giving up. He's going to keep going. But y'all, I don't see how he does this. And the conservative calls to members of Congress are not helping. I thought we learned this before. If it was you and me calling, and if you want to call, call and say, look, I call your member of Congress if they're a Republican and say, I'm a constituent. I really like you to change your mind, and I'd like you to support Jim Jordan. I think you'd be good. Thank you very much. That's fine. Do that. But if you call and say, you're going to support Jim Jordan, you SOB, or I'm going to primary you, I'm going to vote against you in the primary. That's not actually helping. Because that member of Congress wants the opportunity to make it to look like they're an independent, upstanding, stand-up-to-bullies person, and you've provided them the opportunity to stand up to bullies. I don't understand how conservatives forget this. The the malcontents in the conservative movement ruin this for us every time. I am told by multiple members of Congress now that Jordan probably could have pulled this off. But the bullying from the conservative outside groups is what made them all mad, and they said no. Um, you got some appropriators who don't want him. He, he, I don't see how he does this. You drag this stuff out in a time of crisis. I don't think it's going to work. Um, I, 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 can't persuade the movement otherwise, but I think Matt Gates ran out half cocked. Leroy Jenkins did Leroy Jenkins has less collateral fallout than Matt Gates has. And Matt Gates has sabotaged conservatives being able to get a speaker because of what he did i told you that was going to happen nobody wanted to believe it. they got mad at me so we had to house kevin mccarthy matt gates is a hero i told you what was going to happen i told you i told you i told you and now you're going to get ukraine funded you're going to get israel funded you're going to get a big government spending package to keep the government funded all because matt gates had no impulse control and ran out leroy jenkins style and did this without any forethought or planning with other conservatives I told you all of this was going to happen. It is playing out pretty much as I said, other than I figured we'd have a new speaker by now. But good gracious, it was so obvious what was going to happen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>